0: Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hey everybody, how you doing? Thanks for coming back to the show. You know I always appreciate it. So things are getting real in New Hampshire. Uh, it looks like I am I'm going back to work uh, within like the next week or so from when this publishes. Originally, The date was June 1st, and that is still the date for a lot of studios in the area. Uh, Myself and my staff have all pretty much agreed that we need a little bit more time. The the way that the protocols were announced uh, was just before a long holiday weekend, bank holiday weekend, and when the protocols were actually sent out to studios, that really only gave them about four business days to enact a very long list. It's like a four or five page document about all the different guidelines and requirements for uh, for body art to reopen in the state of new hampshire so my staff has basically determined we're going to give it at least an extra week and we're probably going to um to use the the popular terminology lately we're going to kind of phase in the services that we're offering so uh my my staff is really uh, engaged uh, really cautious and and really cares uh, about our clientele obviously so we've all done training we all completed the uh, World Health Organization classes on infection prevention and control for COVID-19 we all took the class on how to put on and remove personal protective equipment. You can take those classes too. They're free on the, uh, the WHO website. So go ahead and check those out. I would really strongly encourage anyone uh, who's, who's going back to work anytime soonish to take that. Uh, a lot of really good information. We need to think of this in different terms. We're, we're used to dealing with bloodborne pathogens things that are cross-contamination based Uh, the body art industry has not really had to think about airborne contaminants in in this way so your personal protective equipment is going to change a lot one huge thing in uh, the state of New Hampshire is face masks are going to be required for the practitioner and the client uh, but also face shields eye protection is really important to uh, reduce the chances of that uh, potentially infected aerosol uh, from if someone sneezed or coughed and and had symptoms so uh, try to think about how you can protect yourselves try not to just make it business as usual plus a face mask uh, there are going to be a lot of different things i think we'll all need to do to uh, try and increase general safety for staff and, and also clientele i have every intention of doing another episode of the covid chronicles i was going to do one this past week with john robertson from florida because we're we're both kind of just tearing her hair out trying to think about like how we're how we're actually going to enact all this stuff but the uh the time pressure was kind of removed from from my staff wanting to take that little bit of extra time take the extra week or so so i I will put out an episode uh covid chronicles all about uh our our actual reopening protocols what we are doing my studio to to reopen and i hope to have that up and online for you within the next few days as far as the episode this week, it's a really fantastic episode. It's like a time capsule of, of piercing nostalgia. Uh, I recorded it in the long, long ago of February 2020. Uh, I recorded it with a Floridian piercer named Rogan. Uh, Rogan was uh, uh, an LD scholar, a uh, conference volunteer, uh, and it's just cool to talk to someone and, and, and hear them... And it's, it's really just nice to hear a conversation about uh, the normalcy of what piercing was a few months ago. So uh, really look at it as kind of a time capsule. We talk about uh, paired nostril marking. You know that's kind of a pain in the butt for a lot of piercers how do you mark a nostril uh, piercing on both sides of the nose have it be balanced have it be symmetrical some people really overthink it i kind of consider myself to be in that category and some people just have more of a a smooth organic method for it so rogan talks about that some of the different tips and tricks that uh, that he picked up in a previous marking class at the app conference we also talk about Uh, teamwork dynamics and how you use that to manage stress and anxiety if you have multiple piercers in the shop uh, look out for each other if someone looks like they're a little bit frazzled and they need a break help them out take take one of their clients so they can have a lunch break or just have a few minutes themselves Uh, you know as baron says teamwork makes the dream work and I, i just really like that phrase in general we also talk a little bit about uh, practical aftercare. Uh, Rogan is in Florida. A lot of tourists in that area, you know, when piercing exists. A lot of tourists in that area. And the climate there is going to be drastically different than lots of other parts of the country. So if you're uh, piercing clients who are coming from another area or leaving to go to another area, maybe you need to give them uh, some some different tweaks to your aftercare information. So it's a really good conversation uh, where you can just feel normal as a body piercer for a little while, so I uh, have fun listening to that. I definitely had fun listening to it back. Before we get into that, I just have a couple more announcements to make really quick. I will be doing another private webinar. Uh, I've taken a good amount of time off because I was just brain fried, but I'm going to get back into it uh, kind of slowly to, to start, but I'm going to offer uh, a class on bevel theory with uh, a bonus class on sales techniques on uh, Sunday, June 14th. So go ahead and check that out uh, again on Facebook, uh, look for Body Art Education by Ryan Ouellette. You can get the full description on the classes, you can get the link to the registration form there. Uh, you can also go to precisionbodyarts.com seminars, or you can email me at ryanpba at gmail.com. Uh, but again, that will be Sunday, June 14th. That's a private webinar on bevel theory and sales techniques also some news if you are in the uk uh lola slider from forest piercing just launched her new web shop and it's a really cool presentation i've been watching lola prepare for it Uh, Seeing all the work that's going into it behind the scenes, seeing all the awesome videos she's making, talking about all the work uh, She's doing to get jewelry prepared to to ship out to people It's not as simple as just grab something uh, and stick it in a bag, stick it in an envelope and mail it out to someone There's a there's a process when it comes to professional body jewelry Uh, the jewelry is cleaned, the jewelry is sterilized, is potentially anodized uh, boxed up, packed up, all that. It's, there's a lot that goes into it. And Lola is doing a really good job of explaining all the work that goes into that. The difference between just buying something on a on a fa- faceless web store where it's just a commodity where they just stick it and ship it, uh, and the, the contrast between that and what a professional piercer is going to do to prepare something for a client to be able to install it themselves at home. So a lot of really good information you can go and check out forestglasgow.com to uh, check out Lola's webshop. you can follow forest piercing on Instagram you can see a lot of the different marketing that Lola has been uh, putting out there for that but if you're in the UK area and you need some body jewelry especially if you want some really cool fancy body jewelry shipped out to you go ahead and check out forest piercing in Glasgow so for now let's go ahead and get into this conversation with Rogan uh, I'm really looking forward to to listening back to it again just so I can feel like a normal body piercer Uh, Before I go back into kind of an unknown for the the next generation of what my piercing career will be uh, during and and post-COVID. So uh, I'll be back a little bit more at the end with some more information for
1: you. Uh, My name is Rogan, and I work at Pleasures of the Flesh in Fort Myers, Florida. I've worked there for 11 years now, and I have pretty much the same handle on Facebook and Instagram. It's just Rogan Eric, um, Rogan Eric Piercing Instagram, and then Rogan Eric Wattrell is my Facebook so when when was the first time that we met what year were you a scholar um that was my first year going to app and that was three years ago i want to say at this point so uh because we we're just gonna we're kind of like in that process right
0: now we had the applications it was a little bit of a struggle like i don't i don't know what the what what it felt like for you when you applied. But this year it seems like um, a lot of people were super apprehensive, nervous, like preparing their, their, their stuff. And then they didn't get it in until like kind of the last minute, but we have, looks like a pretty decent crop this year. What was it like for you? um, Like before and after the the scholarship, any sort of insight you
1: have on that? Uh, For sure. Yeah, I definitely, it's nerve wracking first and foremost, because you have to put yourself out there and it's, if you're already a member of the app, anyways, it's not going to be <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. It's not going to be any more stressful than your application was. Yeah, uh, you can do that. You can definitely do the no excuses and all the other ones. But the the positive outweighs the negative so much when it comes to that. Like, yes, it's going to make you nervous, and and yeah, it's it's something that it's scary to to have the possible rejection of. But knowing that every or not everyone else, but knowing that other people believed in me enough to give me that opportunity, uh, is definitely something that I look back on any times I hit those moments of like burnout and I'm just like, Oh God. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely something I would do. Even if you're scared of it, it's totally worth it. You know, conference going just once, even if you don't have an opportunity to do it again right away, do not miss it.
0: I don't think I've ever talked to anyone that said they went out to conference and they were disappointed by it. Like, I don't think anybody goes home on Friday or Saturday or whenever and says, like, oh, man, what a waste of time. What a waste of money. Uh, so for me, I, I look at it as like it's an essential part of, of my year as a as a piercer. And I feel like a lot of other people are looking at it that way, too.
1: Yeah. Well, that and you get to see that the other people that you've been following on Facebook are actually really just people. And then you realize that you can talk to them and then you start opening these different avenues of communication to where collectively, which is why I'm sure apps is, is what it is now anyways, is because you want to share information. But um, just being able to put yourself in those situations where you might casually run into someone that you probably would have never just gone and talked to on your own and then being like, oh, okay, cool, like I can actually just talk and that's okay. Do you feel like any of
0: that influence has carried over to, like, the local Florida piercer scene? Because it seems like a bunch of you have good relationships where you can talk and share info and and hang out.
1: I'm a horrible person that's bad about social media, so I'm (laughs) not as active in that as I should be. I've definitely gone to some of the meetups and whatnot. Um, But our studio is open seven days a week, so unfortunately, most of the time, we can't really do it. We do take turns, though, when it comes to, like, classes and stuff like that, so... If there's like um someone like you, for example, that comes down, you know, uh, we try to both escape. Uh, but that's really hard for us because we have two piercers and one apprentice. So if both of us go, then someone else has to come take our place from the other studio. So.
0: Sure, sure. I'm sure that can get tough. I, I kind of, uh, I, I get stuck in my bubble sometimes because it's it's just me and one other piercer. So I don't really oh. think in the same kind of terms because I don't really have to manage other studios. Our schedules seem to gel pretty well. You know, he's got kids and family life and I've just got my travel stuff and we make it balance pretty well. mm. So, um, for conference this year, are you are you volunteering or are you just taking classes, hanging out?
1: So this is my off year. So oh. Erica, will go, yep. So Erica will go this year, and hopefully Jade, our apprentice, will go this year. Um, and then next year I'll be able to go again, and I will most definitely try to volunteer. I don't think I was allowed to at first because you need X amount of years, if I'm not mistaken, to be able to volunteer. It's a
0: whole weird system. I don't even get it honestly. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna try. I don't know will if they'll have me they they can have me, but um, I will definitely always be taking classes anytime I go. It's the main reason for going. Art studio does buy jewelry, but our main our main goal in going is is to get our learn on and to make sure that we're. Uh, keeping up to date and just making sure that we, we get out of the shop for a little bit and get to meet other piercers and learn stuff. <laughs> right, yeah, just because that really... Well,
0: for me, uh, it'll either sure. inspire me to improve the things that I feel like are weaker or sometimes it'll just give me the confidence that I'm doing things correctly. So do you feel exactly. like that w- was kind of like a mix for you at conference or were you? did you have any like slap in the face moments where you're like, oh man, I'm completely doing this how I don't want to be doing it?
1: So there's definitely times in the strategic marketing class that I was like, God damn it, why have I made my life so hard this whole time? <laughs> um but for the most part it was pleasant. I was I'm very fortunate in that the first studio that I was at wasn't wasn't great, but the second one that I was at, which is still the one that I'm at now, was phenomenal. And they my uh instructor, which is uh Robert, he's our owner he was my mentor as well when it came to my apprenticeship, and he's an APP member and has been for a super long time. So I was taught the right way the second time around, and that <laughs> made my life a lot easier. Um, yeah, the first place I worked at, I remember exactly where I was standing in their, I, I guess I'd call it a studio, but they handed me a tattoo tube and told me to turn it around when I asked them for a, a receiving tube for a nostril piercing, and it was the first piercing I would like ever done there. Um, out of my apprenticeship and i just remember my mouth opening and going okay <laughs> yeah that wasn't right but i was like you're just the apprentice what do you know so well, it was affirming in many ways of me being like all right cool i did the right thing i i left i got a good place they They actually, you know, took care of me and did a really good job, and I'm very, very, very fortunate. That that's
0: kind of a a trend that I'm noticing. A lot of piercers mentioning is they they say things like, you know, oh my first apprenticeship, my first shop, and it's almost like, yeah, that was my foot in the door, but I don't really want to talk about it too much because I I think some Uh people get really enthusiastic about getting into the industry, and you know, at that point, you probably aren't as educated as you want to be. You might not know Uh some of like the little ins and outs and stuff to watch out for. So. You, yeah. you get your foot in the, the door and then you realize that maybe this isn't the, the right learning environment, but that y- your foot's in the door and then you can kind of see the industry and and see, okay, I'd mm-hmm. rather be doing this. I'd rather be talking to this person. I'd rather be working at this shop. So I feel like a lot of people kind of have that same like grumble, grumble, my first apprenticeship kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So talking about the, the strategic marketing thing, what was it that kind of gave you your light bulb moment? Was it, were you making, like, really unnecessary marks with, like, crosshairs and going all crazy with calipers and stuff?
1: Uh, no. It was, uh I think it was Kelly. It was either Kelly or Rob Rob Hill. But one of them used, like, a piece of gauze or string or something like that to lay across um, a nose for paired nostrils to just kind of see. And it was, like, that, like forehead slap moment of like why didn't I ever think of doing that there's always gauze there I could have easily just torn a tiny piece off and rolled it into a little piece of rope and (laughs) (laughs) and just put it on there and been like oh cool yeah this looks this looks straight across well I just had that
0: same (laughs) moment (laughs) just from your explanation I never I never took that class because I've always been busy doing so much other stuff at conference Uh but yeah like because I'm I'm doing a, a marking class in a couple of weeks and it's like wow yeah, that's actually yeah. so much easier and, than my method.
1: And, and pairing nostrils is, uh, I love it. I love paired nostrils; they're beautiful. Literally, every single person that works on our piercing staff in the studio has at least a set of paired nostrils. But uh, yeah, they can be uh, troublesome to to get perfect. Sure. Sure. As perfect as perfect can be, anyway.
0: Yeah, I've been I've been taking like either the backs of the needles or needle blanks and like making pressure marks, like looking at the the needle blank. But yeah, just being able to lay like a piece of gauze or like my sterile drape or something like that across the nose. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna try that my, my, my next time I yeah, do I,
1: I Yeah, I literally just tear off like the l- one little edge piece. I do the same thing when I make a lasso if I'm trying to get threadless jewelry apart and I can't really grip it with my my fingers, if I can't get two two fingertips in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just twist it until like a little tiny rope, and then you can just kind of press it on there. And you still have the rest of your gauze to use, too. It's not like you're trashing the whole thing.
0: <laughs> Look at all this innovation.
1: I know, right? Sharing is caring.
0: <laughs> so uh, when we were kind of like prepping to do the show, I was kind of asking you what you wanted to talk about. And uh, something you wanted to talk about was using like piercer anxiety and stress and turning it into something positive positive. and i totally know what you mean because there are those days where you're just like burnt out's not the right word for it but like you're cranked up you know it's like you drank yeah. a whole bunch of caffeine whether or not you had coffee and mm. sometimes you can use that to carry yourself through the day and keep your energy up sometimes like you can probably knock out a, a couple extra tasks that you might not normally have had energy to but what yeah. are some of your thoughts on it like what's your dynamic in the shop on a stressful day?
1: So in our studio, we're, we're small. Um, there's two, two different locations, but we have all different people. And sometimes you're solo, which means that you're the counter and you're also the uh, person that's answering all the tattoo questions for the other people that are coming in too. You're setting up their appointments, you're doing your piercings, you're doing jewelry changes. And if you're not good at juggling, sometimes it can get really stressful. And if you're not careful you can kind of let that get into your head while you're in the room still with a person. And you know that there's like four or five other people out there that are waiting. Mm. Um, and you kind of have to remind yourself that you are just one person and you can't rush or force those things and kind of put it out of your mind and kind of like gently work through it until you can at least get out there and figure out how stuff is supposed to go. But I growing up was very much a perfectionist and that's not always super healthy. So you have to realize in piercing and everything else in life that there is there is no perfect. So I would get a lot of anxiety about um, when I knew people were waiting and I would get ahead of myself and worry about screwing up what I was currently doing, even though I knew I was completely capable of doing it. Um, so we changed a couple things in our studio to kind of make our lives easier when we're by ourselves, like putting a list out front and doing stuff like that. But the other thing that helped me was like, Taking that stress and that energy that it gave me, that anxious energy that made me just want to, like, go hide in the bathroom for, like, 10 or 15 minutes and just kind of using it to, like you said, push through your day and just worry about getting through to that next person. Doing the absolute best you can with that next person and meeting everyone's eyes when you come out of the room just saying, hey, I'll be with you as soon as I can. And realizing that it's not the end of the world if you don't get to everyone. Mm. It's not... You're not going to be closed tomorrow. You're still going to be there for eight or nine hours the next day. As much as you do want to help every single person and be perfect, it's not. that's not what we're here to be is perfect. That's. It's the only way that you can succeed in never making any mistakes and never pissing anyone off is probably because you're dead already. <laughs> um. <laughs> that's the only literal way that you can succeed in that. You can hurt people in the littlest of ways, but that's another, another story. Um, so... Just essentially, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't, get, don't put yourself to this super high standard, especially with social media and everything else that tells you um, that we have to be perfect. Don't let that cramp your style. Just be the best you can be. Take every opportunity you get to learn. Make sure that everyone in your studio communicates well, because that's a really, really big one. We have a thing in our studio that if you're really stressed out and you need a minute and you're about to hit that moment where you're like going to break down or you just, you know, you need to eat or something, if you walk up to me, you put your hand on my shoulder, I know you need 10 minutes at the very least and I'm going to go pick up wherever you left off. And I know that my coworkers are going to do the same for me if I do that too. That kind of uh, reliability in the other people you work with is great. But if you're by yourself and you don't have that, Um, there's nothing wrong with telling your clients that you need 10 to 15 minutes just to either use the restroom or take a minute. I guarantee you they'll be super happy that you cared enough to let them know that you wanted to make sure that they had the best experience possible so that you just needed to take a small, small break. Yeah,
0: that, that's something that I, I need to work on my, my normal thing is, uh, Kind of like what you were saying is I'm a perfectionist and I, when I start a task, I just want to do it as good as I can and then mm-hmm. move on to the next task. But my problem is that there are days where two or three tasks hit me at the same time and then it super stresses me out because it's like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to make it this neo-metal order and I'm trying to put together mm-hmm. this glove order or whatever and somebody comes in for a jewelry change. Like I have to... I have to stop myself and realize, like they could have walked through any other door, but they chose my door. So I need to stop. I need to like center myself and just breathe, and then give them the yep. best job. Whatever, whatever's waiting for me in the office will still be there when I'm done. And it's the same thing with those next clients. On a busier day, uh, sometimes it can get tough because I don't want to. I don't want to look at the whole day as one thing and be like, okay, I'm just gonna banging out done dun done done yeah. dun, dun. it's like okay this is a person uh they're they're paying for a service my reputation is on the line so i'm going to stop and i'm going to focus on this person what's their name what do they want to get done how are they feeling do they have any questions like i'm not going to i'm not going to rush their experience i'll rush all the stuff in the back like throwing stuff <laughs> in a statum and then <laughs> running into the office and trying to eat 30 seconds worth of lunch and then going out and answering yeah. questions but when I get into the room and I close the door and I'm putting my gloves on, it's just like, okay, it's just you and me, and I just need to calm down, slow down, and, and just focus mm-hmm. on this person.
1: And the more you connect with that person and give them a good experience, the less you'll think about what's going on out there anyways, even though you know you need to still keep it efficient and move along quickly. Sure. But I picture it in my bread, in my head sometimes as, like, plates on those little – I don't know if you ever saw, like, in Sideshow and, like, Circus stuff, how they used oh, to like balance the plates, plates? On, Yeah. I always picture them as like saw blades, though. It's, <laughs> it's like you have too many going at one time, they're all going to fall down. Um, just take one, bring them in the room, take care of it, but, and then you have less.
0: Sure, because I, I think uh, if people if people have an unrealistic expectation where they think that they can just walk in anywhere and get something done right away, those type of people are a little bit difficult difficult to please sometimes. But I think most people realize like... Sometimes you go to a restaurant and there's a 15 minute wait before you sit down. And then when you sit down, then there's maybe a 10 minute wait between like ordering your food and getting your food. Like people are used to waiting for a quality service. So you just need to kind of like engage with them, not feel like you're just going to rush them in and rush them out to get to the person after them. Like it, uh, it should feel like this, this energy of like, I'm doing these things to give you the the best piercing possible, the best job possible. and, And then, um, Whatever you can do to manage your day. For me, it's a little bit tough with the whole I need 10 minutes. Like I don't I don't do that for myself. It's probably not great for self-care. Like if I've got four or five people lined up, I'm not going to I'm not going to take a couple minutes for myself. And and that's probably a bad thing. I would love to get to a point where I can have like lunch at a consistent time every day, but I'm a I'm a walk-in <laughs> shop, so it's just I like I
1: don't know what that is either, so don't feel right.
0: bad. Yeah, so are you walk-ins or appointments or a mix?
1: No, we're strictly walk-in for piercings. We do appointments for, like, little kids on the weekends before we open just because it's a little less overwhelming for them. Eric sure. and I do those tandem. And I don't mean, like, w- and when I say, like, taking a minute, I mean, I don't generally take that much time either if I have four or five people lined up. I just mean when it comes to, like, when you feel yourself getting those jitters and you've you know that like you need to eat because you're starting to shake and it's like, there's nothing wrong with, I've heard people before say that like, you know, they're like, Oh no, I'll just eat later, eat later, eat later. And I'm like, listen, you're going to drop. Sure. You need to go eat now. (laughs) Well,
0: I think some of those people, it's like, uh, you know, if you're two years in three years into a career, you might want to, you might, you might be in that mentality (laughs) of like, I can do it all. No problem. Or especially if you're like a younger individual, but when you get a little bit older, you really have to say to yourself, like stop and drink some water stop and have a snack, you know, just keep your blood sugar up because you don't want to be cranky and worn down. Like you don't want to just go into work and do nothing but drink coffee all day because that's not sustainable. You're going to burn yourself out.
1: Exactly. And maybe that's part of why it's on my mind recently because I just turned 34 and I'm definitely feeling older, but oh crap, you're going to record this too. So now everyone knows. (laughs) (laughs) I lied. I'm 24. Oh, you don't look a day over 21. Thanks.
0: So, uh, (laughs) when it comes to like long-term projects in the shop how do you how do you incorporate those in like do you try to set aside a day for office stuff or a day for project stuff or a day for jewelry orders or is it just kind of like do it when you have time to do it
1: so i like to multitask the things that i can together and then um there are certain things that Certain people in our shop do. Like, for example, Erica does all the orders and she'll put the split lists in the the office for us to go and pick up. So, any orders that do come in when we're in, we all know exactly like, okay, like we're going to check it in, we're going to split it, we're going to put it in the system and then process it and then, you know, do the rest of it. But it's very much uh, every day is a new to do list. Um, You know, we work a couple days in a row each time. So it's not like we have a different schedule. My schedule is always Tuesday through Saturday. I'm always off Sunday, Monday. Erica has the same days off, like everything is set there. So we kind of know like, okay, we're going to do expired on this day. And then on this day, we do, we clean the autoclave. And then on this day, you know, we'll make sure that we go through and do a sweep through the piercing room and make sure everything is like deep clean. So There are certain things that we do on a schedule, but mostly everything else with jewelry ordering and um, projects like as far as um, new jewelry displays or things like that. We do talk about the the jewelry ordering when we do that, but jewelry displays and all that other stuff, um, we just do it as needed and on a pretty regular schedule, but there's no set person that has to do it on a set day because we know that that's... You know, you have one day you're slammed with piercings and your whole schedule's off. So sure. we, do, we do keep tabs of what is being done, um, but we definitely utilize the, the whole team.
0: So when you talk about um, expire, uh, are you talking about like prepackaged jewelry, needles, tools, stuff yeah, like that?
1: Yeah, we work out of pouches.
0: So what's your what's your system for that? Like, what's your policy? Because I know some people, you know, they have different interpretations, they have different policies, you know, 30 days, 90 days, whatever it is, like, what's what's your policy?
1: So ours is 30. Um, everything that we get, we like to sterilize period. So like, for example, everything that's in our piercing room is sterile, no matter what, mm-hmm. um, if you don't use it, it's not in there. If we have jewelry that's for healed piercings that's just sitting like out in our studio, those have also been sterilized, um, but we don't re-sterilize them. We'll sell them to someone, and we'll still give them to them in the package. Um, mm-hmm. So we're changing it for them, and then we'll, we'll go and help them swap it. But uh, no, we do package and run literally everything. So how often are you having
0: to pull older items and, and repackage and sterilize them?
1: So not quite often there's, um, we're kind of trying to figure out how to rework We have a second, uh, well, we're trying to get a second piercing room going. So, um, we're kind of trying to redo the way that maybe we, uh, store things to make it easier to kind of have the room. But, uh, when it comes to re-sterilizing, we just do it on Mondays every week. We go into the room, we look at the next, the next date that we need to pull by and everything that could potentially expire that week. We go through and we yank it and we redo it and we just do it together on Mondays. I'm actually off on Monday, so I don't have to do it. That's what Eric and Jade have to do. But, um, yeah, we make it a weekly thing just to make sure that we keep up with it. And if there's anything left over for me on Tuesday, I take care of it then.
0: That, uh, it's bringing back a lot of memories and I don't know, do you use a heat sealer or do you just use uh, individual pouches for everything?
1: individual pouches
0: okay so for the the piercers have you ever used a heat sealer no okay there's this there's this really distinct like click click sound click click sound (laughs) and that was years of my life i remember um when i generationally uh when i when i started piercing it was just like oh i I don't know jewelry i'll drop it in some iodine you know like i had no no idea you know back in the late 90s and whatever and then when I crossed over the line where I was like, I realized there is no such thing as cold sterilization. Like it's at best disinfect. Like there is literally no such thing as cold sterilization. So then it was like, okay, well, I need to autoclave this jewelry in pouches and uh, just disassembling everything and packaging Mm -hmm. it and click, 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 click. You know, instead of the individual pouches, you would just get that roll, cut off the roll and heat seal one end, drop it in, heat seal the other end. And sometimes that would be like six hours in a day of just snip and click and snip and click. And, um, it's, it's almost bringing back like piercer flashbacks for me. Do you, do you think, have you ever talked about, um, a statum and whether you think that's right for your shop or do you think that package is just better with the flow of your studio?
1: Oh, we definitely want one (laughs) in a perfect world. We would probably have a statum in each room and also have an autoclave so that we could prepackage and also for, for busier times, just run through that way. Um, but financially it's, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It like, not a lot of people are just like, oh yeah, you know, I'll just drop two grand, five grand, you know, d- whatever, depending on the model is or if it's new or used or whatever. But, um, I, some, sometimes people have these great stories about like, oh yeah, I bought a statum off of a dentist that was going out of business. And mm-hmm. that that's kind of the, like the dumb luck situation that I had where I, I ended up getting a statum for like a really affordable price and it Mm -hmm. super changed my life to the point where now uh, when I hear people talking about packaging, like it totally makes sense and I totally get it. And it's, it can be faster and easier to just like open up a drawer. You have exactly what you need ready to go. Um, But I still, I, man, I love my statum.
1: I don't blame you. We've wanted one for God, probably like four or five years at this point, but we have, we have um, a regular, you know, autoclave that. is unfortunately working fine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got my front load autoclave too. the statum, you know, for people that, that don't know like what a statum is, like it's, it's also a type of autoclave, but it's just, it's a a very rapid autoclave. It's usually used in like dental offices and things like that, where they do tools really quickly. But, um, the
1: with package I stuff. My Craigslist saved save search, so if anything pops up, I know immediately. Sure, yeah, Craigslist, eBay. Uh, you gotta you gotta watch out for stuff like that because
0: sometimes you can get your hopes up and then realize that it's, yeah. it's a p- piece of junk or something. Like I got really excited over a Hydrum once on mm-hmm. eBay that was like dirt cheap, and uh, I got to the point where I had purchased it and it was figuring out shipping, and then the person realized what it was, and they were like they just canceled my my sale and it was like, I almost had a hydrum
1: almost. Uh, Oh, so close. Yes. So so far. No, Eric and I have talked about it a lot, uh, you know, at length and it's just, you know, our owner is definitely on board, but I think because we still have the other one, he doesn't necessarily want to jump into getting the other one just yet. And of course, because we're the two that are like, please, we'll, we'll eventually get it. (laughs) We're hoping that having the second piercing room is actually what kind of, tips of scales, and if we can um, open that second room once our apprentice is to a point where they're piercing and we can actually run two rooms, we can make it much um, a more arguable case of we really need a statum. Sure,
0: sure. I mean, I still I still use both. I still use my front load autoclave for like tools yeah. and prep packs and all like the bulk sterilization stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. for, for me, with the volume of my studio, I'm not like a crazy busy shop or anything like that. So... Having, um, like, gold ends and stuff like that in the display case and just being able to pull it and run it through the statum autoclave yeah. uh, r- really has helped my flow. But I've talked to a lot of other piercers in, in shops that are much busier, and they said that, like, we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to operate with the statum with the volume, like, doing 30, 40, 50 piercings in a day. Like, we have to do prepackage. So yeah. it totally makes sense. I just don't envy you having to uh, pull the items and, and repackage them. <laughs>
1: It is definitely a a long, painstaking task sometimes because you're not always going to use, you know, your your large gauge stuff or anything like that. So there's certain things that you definitely see over and over and over again that you're like, God, if I have to repackage this one more time, it's like, well, don't don't even finish that sentence because you're going to. (laughs) Right. So you mentioned uh, an apprentice
0: in the shop. How long have they how long have they been there in that role?
1: Um, I think they're going on their fourth or fifth year, uh, the, in our studio, the first year is basically, you're just like our counter and you kind of learn how the studio works. And then after that, you know, we have, you know, a, a set list of things that we go through to make sure that you're, um, up to par and kind of ready for literally like anything, you know, mm-hmm. we're in, studio, we have a lot of transplants here. We see a lot of different, um, a lot of different people. Some of them come back yearly. Some of them don't. Um, And then some of them are just fabulous, wonderful regulars that we're very, very fortunate to have. Uh, We're in a really nice area of South Florida. You know, the weather's good. We don't really get a lot of hurricanes for the most part. We did get Irma. That sucked. I put a hole in my roof. Um, The shop was fine. So like everyone was good. Everyone was safe. But when it comes to, um, being alone, like I was saying earlier, you know, we just like to make sure that they feel completely comfortable before we ever leave anyone solo. Sure. Uh, and hopefully in the future that never has to happen. I think my my end goal or our end goal uh, for our studio is to get that second piercing room so that we can always have two piercers on staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, because ideally, in a perfect world, um, that would be much more efficient, and then I feel like we'd have literally no problem keeping up with anything ever. Because when one person is piercing, if there is someone else out in the lobby or the phones ring in and the tattooers are all busy, we don't have to worry about someone not seeing the sign-in sheet and thinking that no one's there or something like that. Um, we are often busy, but you know our clients are great, and I can normally see everyone from the from inside the piercing room, anyways.
0: Yeah, the whole flow with two piercers—that's that's been something i've wanted to get into for quite a while Uh, i've got i've got two rooms set up for it and when i when i built out my studio that was my kind of medium or long-term goal is especially on a busier day like a saturday have have two piercers on reduce wait time we've never really pulled the trigger on it i think kind of like you like we we need to have maybe a third person to kind of float through the rotation so we don't put too much stress because we still need like you said somebody at the front counter or somebody answering the phone Ugh. somebody answering questions stuff like that so that's that's my goal long term i'm i'm kind of in a comfortable zone right now where i don't necessarily want to push my shop for growth anymore like we're yeah. doing good. I've always had more of like a tortoise rather than hair kind of a mentality with it. Like, yeah, do what's working, you know, try not to push too hard because I've seen some, some shops try to grow too quick. And I think some younger piercers might kind of get in that mentality of thinking like, well, I need to be doing 30 or 40 a day or I'm, I'm a failure. And it's like, no, you're not like people are coming yeah. back. People are getting, people are leaving with smiles on their faces. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter if you do five no a day or if you do 50 a day, as long as you're doing it well.
1: Yeah, exactly. And people are going to come back to you if you give them the time and, to answer their questions and stuff like that, because that's probably one of the biggest things at our studio that we um, tend to get complimented on, is they're just like, oh, thank you so much for answering our questions. And it's such a simple thing to do, and they're just nervous and scared. And, you know, we have to remember that even though we've done this a million times, it's, it's, it might be the first time that they've ever been pierced since they had their earlobes pierced and they were tiny. sure Like, give them a minute. <laughs> Well, we need to we need to realize that when people
0: walk through our door, they're not a piercing expert. This isn't their everyday thing. Like for us, we don't want to get complacent and be like, "Oh yeah, it's just it's just an earlobe or it's just a nostril or whatever." To that person, that might be their only body piercing they ever get in their whole life. So, yeah. you still need to make sure that they're educated, that you give them some personality, that you make them feel welcomed, and that kind of goes back to that you know how do you manage your your stress on a busy day because you don't want to you don't want to take any sort of baggage out of the office or out of your house or whatever and bring that into work with you bring that into the piercing room with you because then there's like this this awkwardness in the air where people feel like they're being rushed so yeah. i try to just forget everything i use that as like my my zen place my happy place and i'm i'm not saying like i connect magically to every client you know because some clients they they just want it and they want to leave yeah. Um, but like I try to stop and, and put myself in the position of the person getting pierced. Like I want to give them all the information they want, not too much, yep. not too little. I want to ask them if they have any questions. I want to answer them fully. I don't want them to feel rushed. What I, what I used to do is while I was setting up and washing my hands, it was just part of my routine. I would say like, do you have any questions for me while I'm getting ready? And they'd be like, oh, how do you take care of it? And I would always just, well, not always, but a lot of times I would just be like, oh, I'm going to go over that at the end. And like, I would shut yeah. them down and it's like, wait a minute, they just asked me a question. I can't just blow them off. Even if I'm going to give them mm-hmm. the answer later, it's like, okay, yeah. well, here's the short version. Here's what you do. Here's this and that and concerns. We're going to go over it in more detail at the end. And yep. uh, it's that same thing. Like, I don't want to be rushing and trying to shave off 30 seconds to get to the next client quicker. And then that client's yeah. like, well, they I don't know. I felt rushed. It was a good piercing, but I didn't really get much out of it.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly the same way I do it as well. So that's, and I feel like it's very effective that way, and it makes them more comfortable, and they actually listen a little bit better when when they have the time to process it and you're not just flying.
0: Mm. Do, you, do you feel like clients listen to aftercare information better before they go in the piercing room, uh, at the beginning of the, the experience while you're setting up, or after the piercing?
1: So I kind of just repeat it at several different points, like certain important things, like not touching it or you know keeping it clean and leaving it alone because i know that there's i know that there's going to be parts even though it's all pretty much common sense stuff that they forget just because they are nervous and anxious and you know especially if there's other friends in the room or a friend in the room that can distract them or a cell phone or something like that if i notice they're not paying attention then i'll kind of just like slow down or stop and wait until i know i have their focus again mm-hmm. um, but before they leave and we're getting everybody rung out i'll also be like i'll remind them one last time be like okay like, here's your, here's your printed aftercare. Here's all of our information on the back, like we talked about. You know, if you have any any questions or concerns, please just call us or come in. There's always someone here, you know, and only, you know, just make sure that you only clean it once tonight, you know, and tomorrow start your, your you know, two times a day routine. Mm-hmm. And then at least I know the last thing that they heard before they left was what they're supposed to do today. So even if we went over aftercare before, and they forgot it because they were then just focused on the piercing, they're still good. Same thing was if we went over it right before we left the room after the piercing, and then they're talking to their friends, taking pictures and forgot already. It's mm. literally the last thing I say to them before they walk out the door.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I
1: mean, that, that sounds
0: like a, a pretty good flow. I, I've, I've had difficulties sometimes with clients where now I, I feel like I'm pretty comfortable with my aftercare routine, but there were points where I was thinking – people aren't paying attention to me after the piercing because they want to take a picture, put it on Instagram, show their friends, check it out in the mirror. And they're just not, they're not listening. And then I was doing it before the piercing. And then people were just like really nervous. And they weren't like, they weren't listening to the aftercare because they were, they were nervous about getting the piercing. So Mm -hmm. now I'm still, I'm starting to do the same thing. I kind of pepper it in and reinforce what I'm saying like multiple times over because Uh, It's the same thing. It might be old hat to you. You might have said it 10,000 times, heard it however many times. Um, But to them, this might be the first time they've ever done something other than like put Claire's ear care solution on it, you know?
1: How many times is he going to tell me not to touch it? I don't know how many times are you going to touch it.
0: Well, yeah, that's a good point too. (laughs) Like sometimes at at the front counter, when clients are talking about a piercing and their hands are just like slowly gravitating up to their ear or whatever to touch it, I just have to be like don't touch the piercing you know i'm trying to trying to get them realizing like how frequently they touch it but without being that like snotty piercer of like don't touch your piercing you know like i'm i'm just kind of like please <laughs> you just, know like
1: just start singing stop in the name of love and 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 it'll be fine
0: right yeah yeah <laughs> or just like squirt them with a spray bottle like they're a cat or something <laughs> no <laughs> um so when you have uh, like sunbirds, people that are coming in for the the winter time or whatever, when they live they they live other places. Do you have any like special aftercare considerations with that? Like, I through my experience over the last few years of traveling so much, I'm realizing how much cl- uh, climate can affect people's aftercare. So if you're in Florida, where I imagine it's it's much more humid than you know where I am in New England, or if somebody's in the Midwest or something like that, do you ever have to kind of like tell people, well, okay, that might work for Minnesota, but it doesn't really work for Florida. Do you ever have those conversations?
1: Uh, quite frequently, actually, um, especially during certain parts of the year, because we know that there's a lot of out-of-state people coming in for, you know, holidays, and they're going to go right back, so they're only going to be here for a week. But a week is just enough time for your body to respond in true Florida fashion and swell up way more than you're probably used to back home, if up home if home is back up north. Um so normally when we see any out-of-state licenses, we just automatically ask anyways or, or keep note of the fact like, okay, this person probably doesn't live here. Um, or if they do, they just moved here. Either way, you know, you got to make sure you know. We also make sure that we tell people before we even do paperwork because it's Florida, like no pool, no beach for X amount of time and make sure that's cool for them. And also uh, when we're in the piercing room, I'll normally ask like, you know, when we're talking about checkups, because we do free checkups and we encourage people to come back after a certain amount of time, depending on the piercing. So we can just kind of see how everything's doing. Um, We'll say like, you know, do you, are you local? Like if, if I say to come back and see me in a month, is that something that you can feasibly do? And if they say no, we're like, okay, well, where are you going? And if we need to make any adjustments at that point, since we do work out of pouches at that, like we can change it. Um, But we do ask to make sure if you're staying in this area, we know we're good. But if you're going to travel, even if you live in this area, but you're going to travel somewhere else, we're probably going to give you a little bit more wiggle room, mm. depending on where you're going, because it's going to be drastically different.
0: Do you um, do you ever, like when it comes to something like a like a downsizing, you know, if you're giving people a little, lig- wiggle room for cartilage or a lip piercing mm-hmm. or, or whatever, uh, do you say like, okay, okay, when you're ready for your downsize here's a place that I'd suggest you go. Like, are you doing referrals for downsizing? I've I've found myself having to be doing that a little bit more frequently lately.
1: Yeah, actually I do. Especially um, sometimes I don't always go and find the specific studio. If I know that there's APP members in that area, our aftercare actually has the uh, safe piercing website on it. So I underline it for them and I'm like, when you're ready for your checkup or when you notice that." There's room on this jewelry and you know there's you know not any redness and everything is really clean and everything looks happy. This is what you're going to do. You're going to go to this website, you're going to go to find a member, you're going to put in your address and it's going to tell you the nearest person to you and if you have any problems or concerns and you can't find someone, call me and I will help you find someone. Um, so I have had people call me from other states that were still not sure if the person they were going to go to is going to be okay. And I have no problems calling another studio, even if they aren't APP members, to call and ask the right questions to make sure that I'm still going to be safe sending someone to this person. Mm, yeah. Uh, I think it it kind of gives you a little bit of credibility, too, when people come in, especially
0: those like tourist-type clients, uh, to say, like, you know... It's not a scam. Like, you know, we're, we're not, we're not charging you a hundred dollars for a piercing because we're trying to trick you. Like there's a whole network of people out there that deal with this jewelry that know how to change it. Like you don't have to do it yourself. Oh, you live in California. Uh, you know, here's 10 shops within an hour of you, or, you know, again, go to the APP website, plug in your zip code and you can see all the members in the area.
1: Yeah, there was just a lady yesterday that I helped, and she said, "Oh, you know, I'm." She's like, "I was looking for this kind of jewelry, and I, she showed me a, a picture, and it was a really simple um, curved piece, but I didn't have the the color she wanted." So um, she says, "Well, I'm going back to Michigan soon." I'm like, "Oh, where?" She's like, "In Ann Arbor," and I was like, "Oh, cool, you <laughs> can just go to Gamma then." And, yeah, uh, go see Laura and Jeff. Yeah, so I wrote down their information. But yes, most definitely, if you're gonna, if you know someone's going back to somewhere that you're not. Um, definitely make sure they at least have the means to find it or, or tell them to call you back so that you can, you know, kind of scope out whatever piercers are in the area or closest to them. I've been very fortunate that anytime someone's needed somewhere to go, there's always been someone that's an EPP member that's, you know, at least within like an hour or so away. Um, most of the time, if someone lives out in the sticks, they already kind of know they're going to have to travel to get to, to some of those things anyways. So, yeah,
0: well, it, it really sets them up for success the same way that you're giving them all that aftercare information and reinforcing it and making sure that they know what they need to do. It's same thing with like long-term stuff, like downsizes and jewelry changes, especially if they, if they can't come back to you. So that that's a great practice to get into that. It took me maybe a little bit too long to figure that out where I was always just like, well, if you need a downsize post, email me and I can ship one to you and all this like ridiculous stuff. Now it's just like, yeah, just, just go see Rogan.
1: (laughs) We're here every day.
0: Well, uh speaking of everyday, I am going into work. I am going to go in, uh I've got appointments for some some little girls to get their earlobes pierced in about a half an hour, so Aww. we can kind of start to wrap it up today. It should be a good day. Like I I'm actually really enjoying like the the experience of doing earlobes for for children. I'm not like a super comfortable around kids person, but I feel Mm -hmm. like I've, I've worked out a good system to give them a great experience. And it's same thing. I go in before hours so they don't have to get overwhelmed by all the other stuff going on with the adults. Too many noises. Yeah. Way too many. Well, it's also, it's, it's, it's a stressful point for me. Like if it's a, if it's a really busy day and I have a lobby full of teenagers, adults or something, I can go out there and level with them and be like, okay, I'm going to be with you in about 15 minutes. I'm going to be with you in about 20 minutes and I got this and that <laughs> and whatever going on. But yep, if it's like exactly. a little kid and they're already kind of overwhelmed or scared or something like that, I don't want to have to make them wait. And you know, I'm taking care of this person. Taking yep. care. I, I want it to just be, they walk in the door and it's like, I'm here for you. You have my full attention.
1: Yep, exactly. And it nice. makes it easier for them to do that too, because then it, it moves the process along a lot quicker and they don't really have time to panic
0: absolutely yeah like i've got it down to this like tight 15 20 minute window where if they want to extend anything with extra questions or hanging out no problem but if they're if they're good to go and if they're feeling ready like i can i can put in like my my dad jokes and my shtick and like the whole like <laughs> sleight of hand and, and i can give them this great experience uh and it's done before they get a chance to like really get scared
1: that's cute yeah
0: all right well uh, i appreciate you talking to me and taking some time you're, you're working today too
1: Yeah, I'm going to get ready. I'll probably leave here in the next 30 minutes too.
0: All right. Well, have a good day at work. Um, What's your shop info and uh, social media info for people that are interested?
1: So my Facebook is Rogan Eric Wattrell. My Instagram is Rogan Eric Piercings. It took a lot of time to pick that name, so I'm going (laughs) to use it. Damn it. Uh, And I work at Pleasures of the Flesh, which is in Fort Myers, Florida, sunny Florida. Florida man is a real thing. Beware. But I've been there for 11 years. Come see us.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for talking to me, Rogan. And uh, uh, we'll chat more soon.
1: Okay, cool. Thanks, man. Have a great day.
0: You too. Bye. Bye. All right. Thanks for talking to me, Rogan. And thanks for just making me feel like a body piercer. Again, listening back to that. uh, I I think a lot of us are still kind of traumatized sort of in, in grief of uh, losing our, our careers and our passion, whether it's temporarily or, or maybe something a little bit more long-term. Um, but I, I think it's really nice to, to stay focused on the stuff that we, that we care about. And for me, that's, that's body piercing. So again, I've got the uh, private webinar on Sunday, June 14th on bevel theory, but also a bonus presentation on sales techniques. If you want to get signed up for that, you can visit Body Art Education by Ryan Willette on Facebook. You can go to precisionbodyarts.com seminars, or you can email me at ryanpba at gmail.com, and I'll get you set up for all that stuff. I've got some new content for you on Patreon, if you're interested. That's patreon.com slash ryanpba. I just put up part two of my lecture on scarification. The first portion of the the presentation was uh, scarification as contemporary body art. That was a a presentation that I originally gave for uh, an event in London. Uh, and then part two of the the lecture on scarification is just talking about like my theories on it Uh, a little bit of how I do it not exactly instructional I don't think that that would be safe or responsible to just just put online but I talk a, a little bit about my thought process of how to prepare for a scarification piece how to take care of a scarification piece how to take care of a client during a scarification piece so if you're interested in any of that you can uh you can get that along with a a bunch of other webinars and content at patreon.com slash ryan pba so i will be back uh, next week with another full episode and if i have time i'll try to make one of those covid chronicle supplemental episodes about my reopening protocols but thanks for listening and make sure you come on back